Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Hi, I'm Malik Blade, and I'm taking over today for the Jew3 Project podcast for Lisa Fields. She is in the guest seat today. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm doing good. It's nice to be on the other end. Um, you're going to be our honorary uh, guest host when I need to be interviewed. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Get the word out. Uh, I'm here. So anybody that wants me to host for them, uh, hit my business email. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, in all seriousness, uh, we're here to talk about uh, your upcoming uh, Jude 3 Project event, the Courageous Conversations event, which has a lot of speakers and probably the first of its kind. So that's definitely uh, something we're going to get to today. So just for introductory purposes, for people that don't know, uh, tell the audience about the upcoming Jude 3 Project Courageous Conversations event at Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois. Well, uh, Courageous Conversations is on Labor Day, September Monday, September 3rd in Chicago, Illinois at the historic Progressive Baptist Church where Pastor Charlie Dates is the pastor. And I'm excited about it because it, it, um, if you've been rocking with us for a while, you know that we've had several courageous conversations in the past. We've had five. And they've the first one talked about um, Black liberation theology. The second one talked about um, politics in the pulpit. The third one was racism and evangelicalism. The fourth one was on social justice. And the fifth one uh, was on is Christianity the white man's religion, and so um, we we thought it was important to have move it from the Google Hangouts that the previous conversations have been on into an actual event where we actually meet face to face and talk about these issues. So it's six different panels. The first would be the authority of Scripture because that lays the groundwork for everything. Paul versus Jesus, what is gospel preaching, universalism versus inclusive, exclusivity versus inclusivity. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, they got, uh, forgot that one. Um, social justice and sexuality. I think those are the major weighty topics that need to be um, talked through that there's very much um, differences on. So we take um, conservative, um, scholars and pastors trained in conservative evangelical spaces and then scholars and pastors trained in more progressive um, mainline spaces. So when I say conservative evangelical spaces, that's going to be like your uh, reformed um, seminaries, like a reformed theological seminary, a Southern Baptist theological seminary. Uh, And when I say more progressive um, seminary spaces, I'm going to, I'm talking about like your Dukes, your Harvard's, your Princeton's. And so, Everybody's talking to each other in these in their tribes, but I don't see a lot of talking to. And so Courageous Conversation intentionally pairs these groups together to talk about these issues that they talk about in private, um, to talk together and not, you know, represent each other in caricatures in the conversation, but say, I can't um, create a caricature view because you're here. And so let's think about what you actually think about this, not what I think you think about this, and then talk through that. Yeah, that's good. I think it's great that you were able to clarify the difference as far as the broad camps, as far as what one would consider more progressive 
and more conservative because honestly for me growing up in non-denominational and black baptist churches i didn't really understand the dynamics of the different theological camps even in african-american churches but even outside of that so it wasn't until i went to seminary uh, a white evangelical seminary in north carolina left dc for north carolina so that's a cultural change for one but as far as the whole church background thing that was new to me as well so i never really had categories and didn't know that these camps existed and and how they viewed things differently so and i think oftentimes people that are in these spaces uh specifically for me coming from a, a black baptist church background i never thought deeply about well that camp over there thinks this so that's why we can't do with, work with them you know i didn't think about all the different camps and tribes and so on and so forth i just looked at it as you know god is god uh, so, you know, I think it's important to to speak about why did you think it was necessary to have a conversation about these things? If, if it's understood that these differences exist and the different camps are thriving, why bring them together to have a conversation? Some will say that that might actually be, you know, uh, divisive or create some some fire. Um, for me, because I've grown uh, from both of these camps. I've learned something from both of these camps. Um, and it's, and I don't want to say it like it's two camps because one might be trained at a conservative evangelical seminary and not be conservative. Or yeah. one may be trained at a progressive uh, mainline seminary and not be progressive and may be very conservative. It depends on what you choose to uphold to that you've been taught. And so, and then people are mixed bag. They take some things and they, um, and then they kind of like, no, nah, I don't want that. Then I have Pentecostal friends that went to a conservative evangelical seminary and they're, you know, still Pentecostal and they just, um, kind of, um, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Um, so it just depends on the person, but that's one of the reasons I want to have these conversations because many a times people think people believe a certain way because of the way than the schooling and the groups that they come from without even engaging them. So they box them in and say, oh, you went to reform. So you believe this, you're conservative or, you know, or you went to Duke, you're, you're progressive, you're, you're left-leaning. And that's not always the case. And in my relationships with people, many that are on the panel, I discovered that that wasn't the case by my interactions with them. And so I think that, you know, personal contact, um, it's key if we want to be able to engage and really know what people believe. And you can't know by reading the book. You can't know by just looking at their CV or their resume to see what schools they went to. You have to engage them to see what they actually believe. And I want, I hope that this will force people to know I can't categorize you just by um, some stats about you. I have to get to know you. And then I just think, even if I disagree with you, does it doesn't mean I can't have a civil conversation with you? Yeah, I think as Christians, it is important to lead with relationship and get to know people rather than just categorizing them based off of whatever camp we think they're in, because then you rule out the chance for relationship if you if you disagree and you're not used to reaching out. So yeah. it's interesting you you mentioned that because I was recently talking to a debate professor at the university that I work at, and he shared with me that he encourages his students to, or he uh, requires his students to debate from both sides of the aisle. So they have to debate with 
debate or argue for the subject that they actually support. And then they also have to argue for the subject that they disagree with. And he says that he does that so that they uh, are put in a position where they have to articulate their opponent's position to their opponent, to their liking, so that they know what they're arguing against. And I think so often, if people do what you just mentioned, you can say that you're against something that you don't even fully understand. So mm -hmm. if you're going to reject something, first take the time to understand it. But, you know, once again, if it's in a, a debate setting, like what the professor is doing, it's not very personable. It's more so about winning. So why did you choose to take the route of conversations over debates? Because I don't I haven't seen debates as an effective tool to change anybody's minds, um, especially not the mind of the person you're in debate with. It is rare, very rare that a person's mind is changed through a debate. Many times our minds are changed through conversations. And if you go into it saying this is a conversation, your guard is not up as much as it is when you go into debate. When you're in a debate and you say, well, we're going to have two people that debate each other. They're going in saying, I got to win and I can't look a fool uh, for, for my beliefs. And so I position this as a conversation because it's in conversations that we grow. It's in conversations that we're strengthened. And for me personally, that has been it's been conversations that help shift my views on certain things. It's been conversations that help me see people's perspective. So while one might have an opposing view from me, it's through conversation that I even understand how I got they got to that view. So I can't just say, well, they got to this view because they don't believe the word of God. No, maybe they got to this view because of a series of personal events that happened. So I can't, I'm not trying to attack you first. I'm trying to listen and hear you out. And so um, I wouldn't have, I didn't always have this posture. Um, I think what changed me was my first year in seminary at the Academy of Preachers. And I probably was one of the few people that were there that were trained at a conservative uh, evangelical seminary. Everybody was more mainline progressive. And that really experience really stretched me. And it's really built a foundation to why I do courageous conversations, because uh, I want to give a shout out to Dwight Moody. Not, not he's no relation to Moody, uh, Moody Institute, but Dwight Moody, who um, started the Academy of Preachers, um, where seminary students from all over the country come together and um, do do sermons in front of their peers and deans of schools. And after that, they have preaching circles where they partner you with different people from different seminaries that are believed differently than you. So you're Episcopalians, Anglicans, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Baptists, and you're in groups and you all look at a text together and you know speak on that text from your perspective. And that situation really helped me to grow and hear people and to understand that it wasn't just my opinion that mattered and that I need to listen. And I really grew from that experience. And that really started changing my thinking on how I do ministry and how I engage with people that believe differently than me. And I was able to share some things that I was reading with them, but also they were able to share some things they were reading with me. And so, you know, it was a give and take. I'm trying to understand your perspective. And you're trying to understand mine. And I'm able to introduce you to people you would have never heard of if I didn't take the time to listen to you. Um, so that's why I think conversations to me have been more effective than debates. Right. 
when I look at the panelists that you have for the different conversations, I noticed that it's, it's very close to almost being half and half as it relates to women and men. More often than not, regardless of the camp, whether it's more conservative or progressive, I've noticed most times when you have events like these talking about theology or doctrine, it's mostly men. So if you could take the time to explain to us why you uh, or if there was intentional and in including the women that you included and also share the names of some of those women and their specialties and areas of study. Um, yeah, well, number one, I'm a woman, so I was looking out for us as women. The sisters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also, I don't think that people are as aware of Black women that are scholars um, as they are men. I mean, it's already, Black people in biblical scholarship already are the minority, uh, but a double minority is Black women in scholarship, and they are just as capable and sometimes even more, <laughs> even more educated than their male counterparts because they know that they have to work uh, twice as hard in a in a um, field where they're marginalized. And so, I think that um, it was important for me to include because I believe us as Black women, our voices need to be heard. Our views on the text need to be heard and known. And um, you know, it's it's important that the world hears them. And the only way I think we're going, they're going to hear them is if we continue to boost them and celebrate them and put them on platforms where they can be heard. Um, so some of the dynamic women we have are, is Dr. Renita Weems. Dr. Weems is the first African-American woman to receive a PhD in Old Testament. So she is, you know, the hero. A big deal. <laughs> yeah, she is a big deal. She's um, taught at uh, Vanderbilt, um, and I'm talking about tenured professor. Um, so it's not just a, you know, she wasn't a visiting. She was tenured, taught at Spelman, you know, lectures all over the world, um, written books. So she is a big, big deal. Um, and 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 there are many people, especially in black evangelicalism that may not have even heard of her or known who she was. Um, there's um, Dr. Brianna Parker. Um, Dr. Parker has been on here, um, is doing amazing work, um, getting ready to come out with a book on um, millennial research, research for Black millennials, because she noticed there was a gap in like some of the white evangelical resources. So when you get stats from like maybe a Barner or a Lifeway. While they're helpful, many a times their stats don't reflect the African-American experience. And she said, we need something that bridges that gap so people won't be preaching using stats that aren't relevant to the community they're serving. And so um, so she, Bree is amazing with Dr. Parker. Um, and uh, we have Dr. Angela uh, Parker, who's a professor in New Testament. Um, and at the Seattle School of Theology, she has her PhD from Chicago Theological Seminary. We have um, Quiniquia Day, which is a beast, Old Testament. Uh, we have Will Gaffney, who is an Old Testament uh, scholar um, from Bright Divinity School, PhD. Um, we have uh, Dr. Um, Teresa Fry Brown, which is the PhD professor which is a um, the homilex professor, excuse me, at Emory University. 
um, the Brady preaching professor is probably the most prestigious preaching um, homiletics professor in the country. Um, the Brady, it's Brandy or Brady, I can't think of it right now, but preaching professor, one of the most distinguished preaching professors is a black woman, Dr. Teresa Fry Brown at Emory University. We have um, one of my all time favorite Old Testament uh, professors that I didn't actually have, but because she is the assistant pastor at Alfred Street Baptist Church, which I attended a lot when I was in seminary, um, when I lived in Virginia, um, she is an absolute, uh, absolute beast. Dr. Judy, Judy Fitchers Williams. I learned more from her listening to their um, Tuesday night Bible study than sometimes I learned in my Old Testament professor's class only be, I think because I had a great Old Testament professor, but because she was a woman and she was black, she put it in context in ways that I didn't get in my classes. So um, I'm just, I'm really, really, really excited about the women that are going to be there. It is gonna be, I believe they're gonna have a lot to share um, and just gonna blow the audience away. I wanted to get, um, and, and most of the women are more progressive. Um, and we have um, Dr., uh, I don't wanna forget, Dr. Kimberly Credit. Um, who is an apologist um, and a, a preacher and amazing. So I'm excited about all of the women that are going to be there. And in addition to that, I'm, I think it's important that we put them and say, okay, we have a, a man that's a PhD, but we also have a woman that's a PhD. I would have liked to have more Black women um, that went to maybe your Southerns or your Reformed Theological Seminaries that had a PhD, but we one of the challenges is, is that Black women and women, period, are not encouraged to get those PhDs or demands in some conservative evangelical spaces because they're like, what are we going to use it for? Because y'all don't let us do anything anyway. So that's a challenge. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, y'all going to have to take that up with y'all. Uh, uh, deans and and maybe create some scholarships and some a bug for a pipeline if you want to see some more women with uh, PhDs and be men's in conservative evangelical spaces. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely do want to do that. that. I want to drop so many names and so many credentials. I just feel the need to represent the fellas and highlight some of my friends who are also speaking. <laughs> At the event, uh, Dr. Pastor Charlie Dates and Dr. Pastor Kevin Smith. Uh, Ke oh, he's not pastor anymore, but former pastor Kevin Smith and also Dr. Jarvis Williams will be panelists uh, as well, uh, friends of mine. So now that you've given the, the background for how you came to this event, the types of people that are going to be there, the subjects that are going to be discussed, for people that are interested, how can they partner with you in these efforts for specifically this event? Or courageous conversations in general moving forward? Um, number one, you could come. Um, <laughs> support. <laughs> yes, support with your, your presence. That's key. But also we have as diverse as, and um, when I talk about diversity, I'm not talking about necessarily race, I'm talking about thought. Um, as diverse as the thinking of our panelists are, uh, we also have a diverse group as it relates to our 
partners or sponsors. Uh, we have Chicago Theological Seminary, uh, which is definitely more progressive. We have Wheaton College, which is definitely more conservative. We have RZIM, Ravi Zachariah International Ministries. We have um, Impact Network, which is a Black Christian um, cable network. Uh, we have um, The Witness. We have Progressive Baptist Church, which is our host church. Shout out to Pastor Charlie Dates for being uh, incredible support. Uh, he supported me for years uh, since the first time he met me and found out what I was doing. And so I'm grateful for his support and his willingness to help um, with his, not only help me with his verbal support, but help me with uh, sponsoring and um, progressive financially, helping being a partner just outside of this financially with G3. And then in addition to that, um, him helping by hosting this event and getting behind it 100%. Um, in addition to that, um, am I forgetting impact? Uh, Northern Seminary. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely um, a lot of different sponsors, and we welcome any other sponsors that want to jump on board. That would be amazing. Um, it, it will help us tremendously. So, yeah, so those are some of the different um, sponsors, and you can help sponsor by going to ju3.com backslash NCC, that stands for National Courageous Conversations, and scrolling to the bottom and hit partner with us. And also, if you're in the Chicago area and you want to help get the word out to all the people in Chicago, because we would love to fill it up, that would be ideal. You could join our street team and help spread the word that way. There is a tab also in there that says help spread the word. You can click that and join our street team. And there's a form you fill out and there's we have ways that you can help us get the word out. So that's that would be amazing as well. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to say this jokingly. It might sound a little sacrilegious, but, you know, for people that want to partner and want to support, they can support through prayer. Prayers are nice, but dollars are a little bit nicer. Yes. <laughs> yes. But for those, go ahead. Yeah. I believe God is going to hold us accountable for the times. It's always interesting to me, and I'll say this, this might be venting a little bit, uh, but I'll have a conversation with the organization and they'll tell me all the ways in which God has blessed them financially. And then when they say, when they say, well, what does your organization need? And I say, well, you know, we're underfunded um, like most black uh, parachurch nonprofits. And they'll say, man, well, let's pray. And it's <laughs> interesting because the Bible teaches us if you have it, um, and can, um, you should. It's not um, just, I'm going to send you on your way with prayer. You know, you actually put something in their hand. So, you know, that's, yeah. it so happens every day, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So even if you can't make it, you know, sponsor somebody else so they can go. Sponsor some young people. Sponsor uh, an associate pastor or intern or something, you know. If you if you like seeing things like this and you know these conversations are needed, uh, create the space for it uh, with prayer and action. Yeah. And I want to shout out to Pastor Ernie Grant um, Epiphany mm -hmm. Camden because um, Ernie called me and he said, um, sis, I want to support you. I can't be there because of my schedule, but I'm my church is going to sponsor 10 people. And they did. And we ran a contest. He was like, let's do a contest. 
run a contest and 10 people are sponsored for Courageous Conversations because he knew because of his schedule, he couldn't work away where he could get there. But he was like, I'm going to send some people there because I know it's important. A lady emailed me. She sponsored her pastor and his wife because she felt like this was something that they would love. So she paid for them to come. Um, so, you know, there's options. If you can't come and you know somebody who would like to come, sponsor them. Um, for millennials, I think this is, these conversations are going to be important. Um, if you have some people, especially Black young professionals who are educated, they want to hear conversations like these. Uh, because I'm always hearing, you know, they're feeling like they're not intellectually stimulated. But, you know, if you challenge them, hey, come, we're going to have Black PhDs, Black scholars here. We're going to talk about things that maybe you want to talk about. If you've had questions about, is Jesus the only way? Well, you want to sit in that inclusivity, exclusivity conversation to talk about that. If you want to talk about Paul versus Jesus, if you think Jesus' words carry more weight and Paul's words are secondary and they're not on the same playing field, Let's come and engage with scholars who definitely believe differently on this topic. If you want to talk about, you know, what is gospel preaching? Is it about personal piety or is it about justice uh, or is it about both? That's a conversation you want to be a part of. The authority of scripture is the Bible really inerrant? Should it be authoritative or is it just a book that we should glean from? Or is it something that is, is it a closed canon or is it an open canon? Like, you know, those are those are things we're going to talk about. And sexuality, um, I think especially it's probably going to be one of the most uh, maybe uh, spirited conversations. Uh, it will still be civil. Um, but, you know, what does the Bible say about sexuality? Is it saying that it's something that there's whether it is indeed whether the Bible shows that it is a sin or not? You know, that's a conversation you're going to have people represented that don't believe uh, that the Bible says it's a sin and you're going to have people that do believe that the Bible says it is. So it's going to be a conversation and I love it because, and then justice, what is biblical justice? Um, and so I think I'm, I love it too, because the other side won't be misrepresented because the other side will be there. Oftentimes when we talk in our tribes, we misrepresent or we characterize we have caricatures of the other side and because they're not represented, they can't defend themselves. But this space says, I have to do the work of talking to people I disagree with. And I hope that this will challenge people to do the work in their own private relationships. We are so divided as a nation. We are so divided as a church and we can't get anything done without courageous conversations. We have to sit down and talk to each other face to face and say, man, I think what you believe is totally crazy. I don't think that's any merit for that, but I'm going to listen to you and hopefully we can come to a place of understanding. We might not agree at the end of the conversation, but at least when I look at you, one of the things that face to face conversation does is it reminds you that the person you're disagreeing with is human just like you. And oftentimes in this day and age, we're typing behind our computers, we're saying stuff, we're talking at, we're talking about, but we're not talking to. And it's funny because we will at people and talk at them, but not talk with the intention of not really engaging them just to, so they can know that we're talking about them. Um, and so I just, I hope this, when people leave this, they'll be inspired 
to not see each other as caricatures, to talk to people, to build relationships with people, and to grow um, and to sharpen even their stance. Um, because I believe you grow when your stance is with your stance is challenged. I mean, if you can't, if your challenge, I mean, if your position can't be tested, then you probably don't believe in it. Or if it could be undone by one conversation, you probably didn't believe in it that deeply. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a church planner or a pastor, so I, I can't do 10, but I want to commit to uh, covering the admission for two people who are interested in going. I'll commit to that now on record. We can set it up and, and <laughs> as well, but I'll, I'll support you. for two. Yeah. Yeah. So get, get some more folks in there because we, we really do want, want to support this. For those that are interested, uh, how do they register and how do they get involved with the street team that you have? So Jew3project.com backslash NCC, or you could go to Jew3project.com and there's a banner um, that says register here. And if um, there's the form to register on the on our website and also you can scroll down and there's a link for the street team on the registration page as well um, to sign up for that. Um, and for those preachers who are more conservative and say, I don't want my congregation exposed to other these other ideas. Um, I just challenge you to realize that people have Google. So I don't think you can really hide anything from them in this in this time. Um, and also, you know, especially if you're dealing with people that are educated, um, they can find these things on their own. And it's better that, you know, you you put them in an environment where there is actually both um, views present that are both PhDs. So it's not like, oh, well, you're a PhD, but you don't have anything. Um, no, we are both educated and we both have different views and there is scholarship on both sides. So I think being aware is important. You don't want people to be exposed to information and be blindsided because you haven't prepared them for it. And so. I would encourage you if you're like scared and saying, I don't want people exposed to this, they're exposed to it anyway. I mean, social media age, the information age is there. And so, you know, I think this is a good place and environment for them. And as African-Americans, we haven't had this. When we when we talk about the authority of scripture, when we talk about um, Paul versus Jesus, a lot of the conversations, we haven't had a conversation. We'll have them in like groups, but we're not bringing other people there to sharpen each other in a public way um and where it's not a debate it's really really i'm intentional about i've already told their guests come in i've already told the people who are moderating this the intention is it for for it to be civil and courageous we're not going to run away from the issue but we're not going to demonize a person for their beliefs either and so that's we're going to be respectful. Definitely. That's important. We want courageous conversations, but civil conversations as well. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's important to highlight because it's interesting that even in, in Christian circles, things can get heated, especially when you talk about theology and doctrine. So that's important to highlight. So in closing, uh, I'd like you to just speak to uh, a person who may be in a position where they need to have a courageous conversation personally in their life. You know, they may be uh, have a friend or a colleague who's wrestling with faith 
or uh, already in the faith and wrestling with some of the subjects you're discussing at the event, what are some uh, some advice and some recommendations you can give to someone who are who's wrestling through a courageous conversation uh, in their personal life or may need to have one? So if you're going to do a courageous conversation, I think the first thing you need to know is know your position. There are so many people who say they have a belief and can't articulate why they believe it or have no kind of uh, resources to back up that belief. And so they go into these conversations and they're literally um, ate alive because they didn't have any resources for their belief. And then mid them sharing their belief, they begin to doubt their own belief because people had more information. So <laughs> number one, you need to know and be able to articulate with the resources why you believe that. Number two, you need to be um, you need to develop the discipline of listening. Um, the more information you get, sometimes the more information you want to share. And oftentimes when you're entering a courageous conversation, the key is not the information you give, but the information that you listen to and, abs and absorb. Because oftentimes some of the information that you have is irrelevant to the person um, because that's the, their surface issue, but you got to get to the deeper issue. So listen to what the key, the key things are and listen actively. Don't passively listen. Don't listen. When I say passively listen, listening to, for the intent to respond and be able to see where they're, where they take a breath so you can interject something. Actively listen. That means I'm listening. I'm taking mental notes. Uh, I'm trying to decode what you might be saying. I'm actually listening and trying to get to know you and your worldview and what you think. Um, so I think knowing going before you, what the one of the ways you prepare is to know what you what your position is, and then number two is to um, to listen. Number three is to ask more questions than give answers. I look at the number of times in scriptures that Jesus responded to questions with questions because he understood that sometimes people need to get to the answers themselves without you necessarily giving them the answer, if that makes sense. Um, and so um, I think those are some steps that I would I would take. And I also I think be if you can do it in person, um, writing text. Texting a theological conversation usually gets goes left. Um, there are so so many things misconstrued. Uh, I think you know talking on the phone can be helpful, but I think seeing them face to face or you know uh, FaceTime or if you can't see them in person is very very helpful to just remembering that you're human, that the other person you're talking to is human just like you, and that you don't dehumanize them just because they don't believe what the way you believe. And uh, I think the last thing would be um, realize that it's a process and you aren't going to change somebody's mind in one conversation usually. Um, and so you have to have patience with the person and be thick skinned because they're going to say stuff to you that you may not like uh, or say things that rattle you, your beliefs at the core. And sometimes you just have to continue to listen and not get offended because they're processing through their com um, through them talking 
through it. So sometimes they may say something and it may be offensive to you, but really they're just processing. They're not trying to be offensive. So um, those are some tips. Got it. Well, I think you got plenty more committed now. Uh, we're going to shut it down. This is Malik Blade and Lisa Field signing off with the Jew3 Project podcast. We will see you at Courageous Conversations. You can register at Jew3Project.com. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.Jew3Project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching G3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.